0: This is an MPB Think Radio Podcast.
1: Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering my Trustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending, pay bills, deposit checks, transfer money and more. Anytime, anywhere. More information at trustmark.com. Member FDIC. From MPB Think Radio this is Money Talks Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lauder Chanderson president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft portfolio manager at New Perspectives Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts Ryder holds the certificate in investment performance measurement from the CFA Institute We're going to catch up on financial news and discuss your personal finance questions this morning the lottery a second stimulus check shopping in October what would you like to talk about contact us by email The address is money at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Ryder. Uh, What about you? What financial news is interesting you this week?
2: Yeah, hey, so uh, I know last week we talked about the end of the quarter, and now we're talking about the beginning of the quarter. We had a very uh, interesting news story uh, over this weekend, and that was on October 1st, the first day of the quarter. You know, we learned that uh, one of some of the folks traveling with the president um, had tested positive for coronavirus and he tested positive soon thereafter and then friday uh he went ended up going to the walter reed hospital um now this happened basically that happened after market hours so there wasn't a huge impact in the market um you know, the market was down Friday, but it didn't seem to have a huge impact. Um, And then they were very good about messaging that he was going to be back in action, um, coming back to the White House uh, Monday evening. So yesterday was, you know, again, a good day in the markets. Um, So and I kind of bring that up. And the fact that it didn't really have a a huge impact, I mean, partly because it happened over the weekend, but also, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the small daily news things, even though they might be you know, kind of, that's a pretty big news story. But, you know, the stock market has been, you know, in, in, in a crazy bull market for decades. You know, we've had a couple of interruptions, but it's it's been in a bull market for decades. And and why would, you know, why would one person, why would the events of one day really have a huge impact, you know, unless they really truly affect the trajectory of the economy over the next few years? Um you know, daily events just, just don't matter as much as people uh, sometimes like to think.
1: So the uh, that uh, to me, I guess the idea is that people get nervous when there's news like that, and that sometimes affects the markets. But you're saying that that's yes. usually not necessarily the case?
2: Well, I I think, you know, people do get nervous, and that does affect the markets on a daily basis. But it's still, you know— it it doesn't impact the trajectory of the economy it doesn't tr- in fact the you know ability of the companies that you're investing in to make money um over a longer basis you know the stock market fluctuates every day on every single bit of information that comes comes around but you know over time uh what you see is it's reflecting the underlying economy it's reflecting expectations about the underlying economy and the ability of the companies Uh, that make up that market to continue to make money.
1: But the economy as a whole then has that ability to sort of shrug off the day-to-day ups and
2: downs. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh,
1: I think we got Nancy back. Nancy, good morning. Uh, What financial news is interesting you this week?
0: Well, um, I'm going to jump off what Ryder said and what – uh... what does affect a company is the overall economy and as we heard in the news today we're going to hear from the federal reserve chairman jerome powell he will give us an update about what they see in the economy and there's still great concern we are watching all of that data we have seen a slight decline in weekly unemployment claims but they're still very high and we're starting to hear about permanent layoffs it's starting to build And Powell is going to be, again, trying to make the case for Congress to give us another stimulus package. And our hopes are fading for that. I'm sorry to tell everyone this, but we don't think it's going to happen before the election. I will say a writer predicted that. I was a little more optimistic. But at this point, I don't think we're going to get it. And so that's what we're focused on more than these day-to-day events.
1: Uh, Nancy, any thought on the airline industry that is facing uh, uh, several carriers, I think, have announced a a lot of layoffs as sort of the money that they got uh, to help out uh, in the pandemic uh, is is running is ending.
0: Well, it's great concern about that. They need support. And I'm going to say that I think airlines are critical to our economic growth as we move people around, as business is transacted. But there's something else going on, Kevin. We are changing the way that we're working. And I'll just talk about my own son-in-law who – generally travels a lot and his company has just said no travel until the beginning of the year and i think even when we go back and feel comfortable about traveling on planes there are a lot of companies who are going to be asking the question why are we putting people on planes all of this time taking up so much time traveling when we can do so many things remotely so um airlines depend on that business travel and i think we're going to see a big shakeout
1: uh, Ryder, do you think there's a, a silver lining in that uh, maybe some of the fees that airlines had, uh, you know, begun to uh, charge people for? Uh, that I think the change fee uh, is the one that I can comes to mind that's that's been eliminated. Uh, so could this possibly be a silver lining for airline travelers uh, down the road that we might not have, be paying so many fees? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no i don't i don't i don't i don't think so um you know airline companies they have spent millions and millions of dollars buying buying planes and building out infrastructure and if all of a sudden they only have half the number of people of paying passengers you're going to have to pay twice as much um you know not twice as much obviously operating costs are a huge part and if they're not flying as much they don't operate as much but you know planes are not cheap. And I was just looking at the numbers and, um, you know, TSA, they started publishing, you know, how many people have gone through American, um, airports in a day. Uh, and they do it on a daily basis. And at the low, you know, there are less than, so for instance, last year you had two and a half million going, people going through airports every day. Um, at the lows in April, there were less than, there were around 90,000 people. Um, going through uh, the uh, airport checkpoints um, every day. And today we're back up to about 800,000, 900,000 on the 4th, so, you know, weekend. Uh, So we're still, you know, kind of a third of what we have been of of airline traffic. Um, I don't know how long it'll stay that low. I think it might bounce back a little more quickly, especially, you know, people are going to want to travel after they, you know... Emerge from their house after a year or so, um, but like Nancy said, business travel has changed a lot and in some cases possibly permanently.
1: yeah, I thought it might have been that airlines would need to reduce some of their fees in order to lure people back uh into flying again nancy any any thoughts on that
0: oh i I agree with Ryder. What we're seeing are increases in ticket prices and increases in fees as they try to make up for losses and keep going. And uh, I think at this point, they're assuming the people who are flying have to fly and will absorb that cost. Uh, Now, what happens when we get to the other side of this? I'm not sure. We're going to see a bounce back in demand. And we're all going to be just ready to jet around the globe to get away from our houses. Um, And that will help them in that case. But the question will be, who's left standing?
1: We have a call on the line. So why don't we say uh, good morning to uh, Bert? who's called in today. Bert, you're on the air with us. Go ahead.
3: Good morning. I had a question about uh, long-range effects of of the stimulus and bailouts, but I also had a a quick thought while I was on hold. Obviously, a lot of Wall Street is speculative and, and people are trying to make a buck. When you have potential volatile info like related to the president or the pandemic or whatever, is it likely that a lot of the investors, or, or some of the wildcats, or whatever Wall Street make a run on something, not in any fear that there's a problem, but that that they make it cause a situation where they could make money on the backside of that. Uh,
2: um, I think one thing, you know, uh, you know, professional speculators may you know, try to get ahead of the news in a a way, you know, they say, oh, you know, uh, the president is going to the hospital. Well, I think that that is going to make folks panic and people are going to sell in a panic. Uh, And so they may try to anticipate that um, action and, you know, kind of sell into that, uh, if that makes sense. Um, As far as
3: kind of like the big short, they're not they're not trying to they may not be trying to do so much of the short stuff
2: well I mean just the other one of the other words you said you said causing uh, something you know there is market manipulation it is illegal it probably happens Um, and um, but that's not I I mean that would be much more difficult on a broad scale I guess sure I'm I'm not really sure what you were going at there my apologies well, I guess, I guess
3: it was more like, like when they shorted all those, those jump mortgage bonds for the 08 crash. Uh, um, I didn't know if people could set up, you know, sell, sell, sell something that, that, that would maybe flood the market down and then they could pick up on it when it's down, knowing it would come back at some point. But that's not the main reason I called. So all <laughs> the, all the government bailout stimulus, individual stuff, business stuff, uh, the, the, the debt, the deficit, you know, is at an all time high, obviously the pandemic, we had to do some things that are abnormal. It's abnormal times. How long will those deficits likely be with the government quote unquote and affect either social security, um, National defense, I don't know. Who knows what all it could. But are those numbers that are going to handicap things? I mean, we had to do it. But are those things that are going to handicap things for years and decades to come?
0: i want to say yes, I think it will. And, uh, Bert, this is my point at which um, I get on my soapbox because I don't think we are having a serious conversation in this country about what we want government to be. And I know everyone's not going to agree on that, but there are things that we want. And if you want those things, then guess what? Everybody has to pay for them. Um, and so Americans don't want less government, they want government to cost less. And um, it is what it is, you know? And we had a big tax cut in 2017. We were told that the tax cut would pay for itself, it did not. We had rising deficits before we hit the pandemic and the recession related to that. We always know there's another recession on the horizon. That's just the way business cycles go. This was a big surprise, of course, because of it being a virus that affected us, but we were not prepared for it. So we have um, experienced huge deficits because we are trying to prop things up. And you are correct. This is what you're supposed to do in the middle of this. And I am a proponent for another stimulus package to help get us through to the other side. And once we do, we're going to have to make up for that. We're going to have to find a way to um, increase (laughs) revenue or increase the bottom line. You know, if you're an accountant, you know the only way you can increase the bottom line are two ways. You either increase revenue or you cut your expenses. And I think for most Americans, they don't want to cut expenses, and they're like, "But we don't want to increase revenue either." Well, you can't get there any other way. So we are looking at, and we are preparing our clients for higher taxes in the future because of the last few years.
3: And so that, that that's just the ends to the me mean, a uh, means to the end, because we'll have to try to uh, bring down that deficit. Correct.
0: We will. We will because uh, we. We do have these um, things that we want to keep, Social Security, Medicare, strong defense. Um, All of these things are important to us, I think we're going to find. And I just think someone needs to be honest with the American people and say, you know, you can't tax that man behind the tree, as they all say. It means we all have to share in this burden.
3: I appreciate your honesty. Thank you.
1: All right, Bert, we appreciate your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We'll continue our open topic show and October discussion after the break. What are some holiday and observances in October? We'll have that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
3: Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. The first question that we get when someone comes in is, how is the Ulysses S. Grant Presidential Library in Mississippi? Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We have every letter Grant ever wrote and every letter ever written to him. You can listen by going to
1: mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting
3: app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast.
1: You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. October is Co-op Awareness Month, Employee Ownership Month, National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and International Day for the Eradication of Poverty is October 17th. Now, you know, sometimes uh, you think you know what something means, but then when you see it or think about it, you think to yourself, well, gosh, I'm really am not sure I do know what that means. And I will admit to that. Uh, Nancy, what is a co-op?
0: Well, a co-op is where it is, it's just a collective that owns something. And um, you will often see this in rural settings where people join together and participate as co-owners and co-operate the institution or the organization, whatever it is. And as a co-owner, then you benefit from ownership, but you also have the risk of ownership. So there may be times if you are co-owning that you have to pony up to help cover expenses.
1: And I guess the one that comes to mind is uh, utility co-ops uh, in some parts of rural Mississippi.
0: Right. Um, very common there. And uh, I remember long ago participating in one of those. And at the end of the year, you might get a small check, you know, where they had some extra. And so that is returned to the
2: owners.
1: All right. Uh, what about Employee Ownership Month? Uh, Ryder, does that pique your interest?
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting. Actually, I remember my first... Uh, my first job I ever had, I was bagging groceries at a grocery store, uh, in town and they had, it was a, it was an out of town operator. No, I think it was privately owned and they had an employee stock ownership program. And that is when I learned about employees owning stock. Um, I never bought any, um, I don't know how they're doing these days. I think they still exist. Although they're not in town anymore. Um, but that's when the the company it's a larger company. They often have employee stock ownership. Employees can own part of the company as an incentive. It helps align uh, the employees, uh, kind of, I guess, their their work uh, with how the company does. Um, I think this was um, famously uh, a subplot of the movie. Um, what was it called? Office Space, mm-hmm. um, um, where you know. Employees were expressing, you know, dissatisfaction with, you know, how they weren't really aligned with the company. But if if you own s- stock in the company, then you know, is if you see all your other your employees, your your coworkers doing well and you know working hard for the company, you see the company doing better and that stock price rises. So it it gives you another financial incentive um, to kind of perform well for the company.
1: There are also some uh, online shopping things going on in October. Amazon's annual sale event exclusively for Prime members called Prime Day begins at 12.01 a.m. Tuesday, October 13th and features two days of special savings on thousands of items across all product categories. For those with Amazon Prime memberships, Amazon offers a 30-day free trial uh, for their membership. Uh, In response to Prime Day, which uh, previously was held in July, Walmart said it's going to be holding a Big Save online event that runs October 11th through the 15th. The retail giant settled it offer Black Friday-like savings on thousands of items online, shipped or available for pickup. And not to be outdone, Target has laid out plans for its Deal Days event happening October 13th and 14th. Their online event will feature deals on hundreds of thousands of items. The retailer is also offering contactless order pickup and shipping deals. Let's uh, let's look at this from maybe uh, both points of view. Uh, first of all, from the uh, from the uh, the business point of view, Nancy, what are your thoughts on on businesses? Is this uh, getting to be competitive to try to get the best deal to get uh, people to shop at your uh, your site?
0: Well, absolutely, and um, I, I find it really interesting now when I go online searching for some small item, and then I go to another website, and suddenly on the sidebar pops up all of these (laughs) suggestions. I'm thinking, ah, they're just following me around. And so there's this huge competition for the online shopper as we've seen online shopping grow uh, dramatically, especially during this pandemic, because that's what people are doing. They're not going into stores as much. They're shopping online. Um, But this has been coming for a while now. Uh, I would just tell our listeners to look up Singles Day if we think um, what's happening in the U.S. is big, if we look at our Christmas retail season, it is dwarfed by what happens on Singles Day, which I believe is eleven eleven in China. And, of course, you have a huge number of people over there shopping online, and they are really doing it big there.
1: Uh, so, Roger, maybe from the consumer point of view, I guess this points out to the fact that uh, people aren't really shy or reluctant to shop online anymore. It's, it's becoming more and more popular.
2: No, it absolutely has. And, um, you know, we kind of always comment on that, particularly around uh, Black Friday, just looking at the percentages that is done online, and that's just gone up every year, uh, to steady climbs. Even, even if the increase in sales are lackluster, uh, online sales are always um, booming, and they have, especially this year. Um, I'm kind of interested in how companies – they seem to be rebranding it a little instead of just saying like it's a sale and promoting buying things. They are reframing it as, Oh, you're going to save so much money. Um, Which is just, you know, it's a different side of the same coin. Really.
1: Uh, Some other tidbits. Uh, There's a new watch the Deal" button on the Amazon app to be notified when an item's price drops. Last year, the savings from Amazon ran the gamut from electronics and major appliances to small household items. Some Amazon deals are available now, and they tend to sell out quickly, no surprise. Also, this was interesting. There are discounts from Amazon now until the 12th for shopping U.S.-based small business on their website. So um, maybe some thoughts on that. Do you think that might be a good way for uh, smaller businesses to uh, get a piece of the pie by teaming up with Amazon
2: um, so Amazon and small businesses have had a kind of interesting relationship. They have provided a platform, uh, for many small businesses, uh, kind of like, you know, eBay provides a platform for small business, but also they have been accused of, you know, kind of trampling over a lot of, um, a lot of them. I think, I think Amazon, Amazon is benefiting though from drawing more people into their ecosystem. They are benefiting from having, um, more folks promoting their goods on Amazon and drawing more people into the Amazon ecosystem. So that's all helpful for them.
1: Here is an email that says, could you explain how stock market losses and gains translate into income when filing federal income of the 1040 form? Uh, Ryder, if you would, maybe take a stab at that.
2: Yeah, sure. So if you have realized, so importantly, the things that are taxed in, generally speaking, in investment accounts, um, income and dividends, those are paid out into your account. You don't, you don't have a say in whether you receive them or not. Um, They're paid into the account and you owe taxes on them at your income rate. Uh, if it's interest income or dividend, uh, there's a dividend and capital gains rate, which is always going to be lower than your income. Uh, now, capital gains and capital losses Are things you do have a little control over because those are only realized when you sell something so if you buy something for $100 it goes up to $150 and you sell it you have made a capital gain of $50 and you're taxed um, if you've held it for more than one year you're taxed at a lower capital gains rate instead of your income rate if it goes down $50 you've lost $50 and you can use that loss to offset other gains uh, there are some limits to how much you can offset. Uh, you can use a little bit of it to offset a little bit of income, uh, but that's how it flows through uh, to your uh, to your taxes.
1: We'll continue our open topic discussion in just a bit. You've got an excuse for gaining additional financial literacy this month. We'll explain that after this. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, everyday tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tath, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Some October observances, it's Consumer Information Month, Financial Planning Month, and Get Smart About Credit Day is October 15th. Also, the Mississippi Treasurer's website has educational information about your budget, an emergency fund, and car buying. Our producer, Liz Gill, will link uh, these uh, sites and uh, information and uh, on the archived version of the show. So if you're interested, uh, just check that out, and you can learn more about um, your personal finance and be a more well-educated uh, citizen. Here is an email, and it says, uh, When a person takes out uh, from an IRA after 59 and a half, there's no penalty. What if the amount withdrawn is less than their taxable income. Do they pay income tax on their IRA? Nancy, can you take that one?
0: Well, you have to look at all of their income, and um, the amount that you take out has never been taxed. That's why it's called tax-deferred. So you will have to declare that amount, suppose it's $2,000. Again, no penalty for over 59 and a half. But then that amount has to be added into all of your other income to figure out what your tax burden will be on that. And for someone who's in a very low bracket, maybe they are in um, have income below the level that's even taxed, it may not be an issue. But we have to consider that with every penny that we take out of IRAs.
1: All right. Um, you know, we, uh, we've talked about the the stimulus check, and that first. When was the 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 first round of checks? ...sent out. Uh, Ryder, help me remember.
2: Oh, gosh. Uh, Was it in... I know they were talking about it for a lot longer than they should have. I don't remember if the money started going out in April or May, though.
1: However, some individuals still haven't claimed those stimulus checks. Uh, The IRS mailed letters in September to roughly 9 million Americans who typically don't file federal income tax returns, who may be eligible for but have not registered to claim the economic impact payment. Uh, Recipients that receive should know that a letter is not a guarantee of eligibility for an economic impact payment. The letters will urge recipients to register at irs.gov by October 15th in order to receive their payments by the end of the year. And again, a reminder, individuals could receive up to $1,200. Married couples uh, receive up to $2,400. People with qualifying children age 17 at the end of 2019 can get an additional $500 for each qualifying child. Just some thoughts. I I find it a little bit hard to believe that there's somebody out there that hasn't determined whether they uh, get the money or not. What do you think, Nancy?
0: Well, I think there are a lot of people like that, and um, recognize there are people who are not required to file their taxes if their income is below a certain level. Now, they may be missing out on some tax credits um, that they could get, but this stimulus money was based on a filing and whether you had a filing on record with the irs that's how they determined if you qualified and it went out to you automatically so there are a lot of people out there who didn't and think about people who are just coming into the workforce joseph who's in our office you know he was a student and was just stepping into the workforce with us So he didn't have a filing on record and he finally got his filed and lo and behold his stimulus check showed up so a lot of people if they don't file if they're kind of um off the grid so to speak um there are a lot of people who work on a cash basis it doesn't show up anywhere and you do have to have a filing order in order to qualify for that
1: uh irs is urging everyone to be on the lookout for scams related to economic impact payments watching out for scams using email, phone calls, or texts. Uh, A reminder that the IRS does not send unsolicited electronic communications asking people to open attachments, visit a website, or share personal or financial information. And we can probably widen that out and say I I don't think there are are any sort of financial institutions that are doing that anymore simply because of the way people have been trying to take advantage of that uh, via scams. Um, there's been talk about a second stimulus check and it seems like in the news, it seems like, it looks like we're about to do it and then there's, they're too far apart and it's off, it's on again, it's off, it's on again. Uh, Ryder, what's, what's the latest that you've heard on stimulus check number two and if we might be able to get one?
2: Um, I think the latest I've heard is people just asking if there's going to be a second stimulus check. I've been, I've been skeptical. I think Nancy addressed this a little bit earlier, but, um. You know she is pretty optimistic about that i i i don't it doesn't look like we're having one though
1: nancy thoughts
0: well um steve mnuchin who is the treasury secretary and uh speaker nancy pelosi are the ones who are really critical in this discussion and uh they've been sort of like a couple of 16 year old teenagers on again off again high school romance you know um some days it looks like they're making progress; and other days, not. The latest is it's basically shut down, and I think that's going to be the case until we get past this election, and then maybe the talks will restart.
1: So, Stephen Mnuchin is the Treasury Secretary, and I guess he would be de facto representing uh, the administration and the White House. And of course, uh, Nancy Pelosi being uh, the head of the uh, the Speaker of the House. Uh, represents the House, which is sort of, which is Democratic majority. So that's why those two are kind of the main players in this?
0: Correct. If those two can agree, then we believe the Senate will follow along. And of course, the Senate is under Republican control. But um, there's not an agreement at this point. They have been pretty far apart. And uh, it doesn't look like they're making much progress right now.
1: Before we leave the topic of the stimulus uh, checks and the uh, what is the official economic impact payment, I guess the official term, maybe some thoughts uh, from both of you. Do you think that uh, it did what it was intended to do? Uh, Ryder, let's start with you.
2: Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, the the stimulus check itself was uh, rather small and only one of them. You know, it's not enough for a lot of folks, but more broadly – particularly with the unempl- uh, help on the unemployment income. Um, I think that did a phenomenal job, uh, making sure that people could uh, still you know, support themselves and spend, which, of course, supported the uh, broader economy. I think it, it did a phenomenal job. It was exactly what we needed, if not just needing more.
1: Uh, Nancy, what about uh, parts of the stimulus that went to help out businesses? Do you think that was successful?
0: I think it was. Now, the problem that they ran into is um, some businesses applied for it and received uh, loans that may be forgiven. And the question is, will they be forgiven? So that's going to be stuck in quite a lot of red tape when they get ready to file taxes next year. But certainly it allowed a lot of business to keep people on the payroll. And that was the whole point of it. But we're still seeing a lot of businesses struggling, and we're seeing record bankruptcies now happening. A lot of small businesses shutting their doors. And so we still see the need for a lot of help, and that's what we're going to hear from the Federal Reserve today. They are really pleading with Congress to step up and offer additional help. The bigger concern right now has to be help for um, state and local governments because a lot of people work for those state and local governments. Think of your police and your firemen and all of those support staff. Um, if those uh, folks have to cut their budget, because they have to live within a certain budget, unlike the federal government, then they're going to have to start cutting positions. There's no way around it. And so there needs to be some help for those governments so they can make it through this.
1: Well, continue taking your questions after a quick break. Would you like a tip to help win money in the Mississippi lottery? Well, we've got one for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
4: Every week, we explore practical advice about law, healthcare, and
0: gardening. We delve into arts, cooking, and people in places that make our state great. Contribute now at mpbonline.org. MPB and you, let's do this together.
1: You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Loftridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. The Mississippi Lottery releases new scratch-off games on the first Tuesday of each month. That would be today. Scratch-off cards continue to be sold even after the big prizes have been given out. The website, mslotteryhome.com, shows the prize value, the original prize count, and the remaining prize count. So I guess the tip here would be that if you want to play the scratch-off games the closer to the first Tuesday of each month, you buy them the better chance you would have to win the big prizes. So, um, Nancy and Ryder, again, uh, some thoughts. What advice do you give to people when it comes to whether they should participate in the lottery or not? Ryder, let's start with you on this one.
2: Uh, well, I believe I'm on the record on this show as being a big fan of a lottery, but you have to understand, you know, what it is. Um, a lot lottery tickets, you know, a one or two dollar ticket is that's the value it has to you is entertainment. It is not, you know, do not expect to to make money off of it. You know, the expected value, you know, fifty cents to a dollar or something, uh, for every two dollars you spend. So you do not expect to make money from it. You expect to have some good entertainment. So if there's a, if there's a big jackpot, then um, you know buy a couple of buy a couple of tickets with your friends and talk about what you're going to do if you win, and then you know and then forget about it. That's my advice.
1: So Nancy, would you agree with that? That done responsibly and, and cheaply, it it can be kind of fun, but don't get carried away.
0: I guess I would, but more than, importantly, I would just say don't do it. Don't waste your money. Of course, I am not a lucky person. I never win anything. And so for me, it's just like throwing money away, which really hurts my heart to do that. It's just like pitching it out the window. And I just think there's so many other ways I can use those few dollars. Um, But if you can look at it as entertainment, because as Ryder said, that's really all it is.
1: You know, I'm fortunate, especially in the pandemic now that we've had this sort of cash crunch and and most places are asking for either exact change or people to use their debit or credit cards. And the couple of times I've been tempted to to buy a lottery ticket, I think most of them or most of the ones I've seen, uh, it's a cash transaction. And I usually don't have an extra dollar or two in my wallet. So uh, that's been lucky for me to not uh, not waste my money on the, the lottery, although I kind of agree with Ryder on this one. If you can be responsible, it is kind of fun, you know, scratching off, see what you might get. And uh, sales of the lottery tickets are certainly doing well, surpassing estimates for the new fiscal year, with proceeds averaging about $10 million or more or a week. Well, that's according to the private corporation that runs the Mississippi lottery. Since the new budget year started July 1st, the lottery has brought in $18.3 million for the state after money taken out to pay winnings and other expenses. From November through June, Mississippi Lottery Corporation transferred $70.7 million to the state treasury, even with the coronavirus shutdown reducing sales.
0: Um, Don't you wonder how much of those sales can be attributed to the fiscal stimulus?
1: That's a good question. Well, you know, that thing too is I wonder if the, you know, people were cooped up for so long. I wonder if maybe when they got out, they were looking for some jolt of excitement and, and for some, I guess, maybe the... Uh, the um, the lottery is that, but yeah, that that's interesting that uh, you got an extra you know twelve hundred dollars in your hands and it gets kind of itchy for some people. I guess. Kevin, this
4: is this is Liz. Uh, we took a trip last weekend to move my daughter out of state, and you know I hadn't been on the interstate since February, and hadn't been had always used pay at the pump. So I had not been inside a convenience store, which I had to do to use the restroom. I had not been inside a convenience store, and I forgot that we had a lottery because I haven't been seeing billboards. I haven't heard. Uh, I guess my listening preferences don't run to their advertisements. And I absolutely forgot that Mississippi had a lottery because I wasn't ever exposed to it or put into a situation where I could buy a ticket, and I'm kind of, I'm on the rider train. Uh, I love imagining what I'm going to do with $327 million, and it, I just completely had forgotten about it. So that was one reason I was excited to uh, add this as a, a topic of, of conversation and to talk about this new, uh, they have a brand new drawing thing that's going to go on and that Kevin's going to tell us about.
1: Right, it's a uh, third draw-style game called Cash 3 that begins, uh, began on September 1st. Players choose a favorite three-digit number, such as one two, three, or choose the quick, pay, pick, quick pick option, which prevents the terminal to randomly select their numbers. Players also have the choice of eight different play types, including a unique one-off option where players can win a prize if any one digit in their number is off by one number, up or down. For example, 476 is drawn and the player has selected the one-off option. They can win a prize if the number is 376-576-466-486-475 or 477. Fortunately, a step-by-step video of how to play this game can be found on the MLC website. That seems awfully confusing to me, but I guess uh, people who participate in the lottery probably get very, uh, you know, learn quickly how it works and, and the different options. Um what about the impact on the state obviously with all this money do you think it's it's a good thing so far from from the state's point of view Nancy
0: Well it does help the state budget but you know I'm always thinking back to when they sold us on this lottery it was going to be for education and I really haven't seen that happening we are still shorting education like crazy
1: uh, I heard, uh, I think, when it was on the news about the the proceeds that uh, education and infrastructure, I think, were the two uh, areas supposed to benefit. Um, yes, Ryder, what are your thoughts about the impact on on the state budget and, and state spending?
2: Um, well, I mean, these numbers certainly do sound good. I mean, the, you know, uh, s- sending seventy million to the state treasury from November to June—I mean, that certainly sounds great. I know, and it's—and it, if it's above their targets, that's good. I, I think they had fairly conservative targets for how much money it was going to raise. Um, that being said, you know what our legislature has a history of doing is saying, "Okay, we're going to designate." you know, this dollar to education. And this dollar is absolutely, definitely going to education. But then they'll just take one of the other education dollars and move it somewhere else. So, you know, the net effect is is zero. Um, And I don't, you know, I don't know if we're starting to see that yet. Um, So that will be, kind of remains to be seen. I have not really seen a lot of discussion of the lottery in the context of the broader budget Um, because, you know, again, $70 million for last fiscal year, you know, that's, I mean, that sounds like a lot of money. Um, but what was our overall spending? What was our overall spending needs? Um, what did $70 million really get for Mississippians is the question I would ask.
1: Uh, and I don't want to put anybody on the the spot, but just curious, Nancy, do you know how the lottery has traditionally fared in other states? Obviously Mississippi is not the first state uh, to do this. Do you do you know any anecdotal information about how other states have fared uh, with the lottery and, and whether there are long-term benefits to having one?
0: Well, I think, um, you know, the reason Mississippi adopted it, because they just saw this as a, a plum situation, um, it's another way to tax your citizens without them feeling like it's a tax, because that's what it is. And if it's just only your people buying those tickets, you're really not helping yourself a lot. But um, if you can couch a tax in the terms of, oh, it's entertainment, or you might win something, um, that's how you do it. And I would just say two words to people, ice cream. So when you go into that convenience store, Liz, and it's, (laughs) do I buy the lottery ticket? Or do I buy ice cream? Buy ice cream. It will last longer, and you will be more satisfied (laughs) and get more pleasure out of it.
2: (laughs) I don't know. Some of those ice cream treats are getting expensive these days, Nancy. $2 dollars—two dollars for a lottery ticket is a deal.
1: Uh, Nancy, I'm with you there. I'm not sure the uh, the physicians that do our uh, uh, Southern Remedy Health Show would agree with you. Uh, but uh, who knows? An uh, a, a ice cream or a candy bar every now and then certainly couldn't hurt. But again, just like if you're spending on the lottery, if you're buying those treats at the gas station – Uh, do so in moderation and be sure to get a lot of exercise to help uh, burn off those calories. That's about going to wrap us up for today. Would like to remind you that uh, we use our... Email address money at mpbonline.org each Tuesday during the program to solicit your questions. But that's available to you throughout the week. So if you're uh, later in the week, you kind of come up with something that you need some help on, uh, you can send it to us. And we'll either talk about it on the air or get it directly to Nancy and Ryder and let them give you some financial advice. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. So for Dr. Nancy Lodger Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. for mpb comes from trustmark offering my trustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending pay bills deposit checks transfer money and more anytime anywhere more information at trustmark.com member
3: fdic this is an mpb think radio podcast